Hello and welcome to the Raiders Review with Blake and the Port, the third most popular Raiders podcast there is. Now on iTunes as well. Yeah, now on iTunes, so, thanks to Blake and his technical wizardry. Yes, well, it yeah. took me a while to get there, so, you know, I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay. Yeah, he's doing alright, we're doing well though, aren't we? Yes, well, you know, it's on the back of another loss. We're back here again. Yeah. It's deja vu. Deja another, vu. Another close loss. And, you know, yep. I guess, you know, in, in time, they, they they hurt a little less every time because with 10 minutes to go, you can be leading by 10 points and you still think it's coming. It's coming. It's coming and when yep. it does, it's another dagger in the heart, but a slightly less painful one. Yeah, look, I think this, this loss was very similar to the loss against Newcastle in the fact that we lost, but we weren't robbed. Um, so as opposed to the match against the Titans and the Warriors where dreadful decisions left us robbed in that, yes, it was disappointing to lose. It was very disappointing. It was very hard to lose with how hard the, the players tried. But the injuries, they were too costly. The reshuffles, they just didn't work out for us. And in the end, the Panthers just came for us and they got us. We saw, I think, the best and worst of the um, Ricky Stewart era as this current Ricky Stewart coaching era in that the team is clearly very committed. They try very hard. They clearly are playing for the coach. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't. it's not like the sort of the back end of Don Ferner where they would just give up and you go, right, the coach has lost the team and they're not even trying anymore. There were some games I remember against, you know, the Sharks, um, Gold Coast. David Ferner. What did I say? Don Ferner. Don David Ferner. David Ferner, yep. Um, Sharks, Gold Coast, and uh, and the Tigers, where you know just at the end, just the floodgates opened and we had massive scores put on us. So that's not happening. But at the same time, I think we're a very dumb football team still, and this just doesn't seem to have changed in Ricky's tenure. And you know, people say you can't blame the coach or the players out there are the ones making the decisions. But you know, there should be some sort of plan in place, and there should be scenarios practiced at training, which they say they do. But you know, you don't want. Aiden Caesar to take a hit up on the fourth tackle and then have uh, Havali shank do the worst ever attempt at a field goal you've ever seen in your life. Well, that was actually the third tackle, so uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the fourth. Look, um, and that was that was the, the huge turn, turning point in the match because of course they got a seven tackle set and they got the reset and then yeah. they went and scored. Yeah, look, there, there's no question about that, and there's no question that's probably the worst field goal attempt I've ever seen in my whole life. But it's such a disappointment because Saliva played such a good match. He was really, really good. That was the only thing I thought he did in the whole match that was less than excellent. And it was so abysmal. Yeah, one of my friends said to me on the weekend, and I think it's true, he said something he's noticed that in the back end of games now, when teams get a seven-tackle set, they almost always score off them, Mm -hmm. as was the case. Well, and I I think one of the things a lot of sides are doing instead of and there's been a lot of comment about this, rather than rolling the ball into, you know, risking getting get a seven-tackle set, you get tackled in the corner. So yeah. at the very least, they're in the worst possible field position they can be in. And that's why, in a lot of cases, on the they're, they're running the ball on the fifth tackle rather than uh, rather than going for a kick or, or a completion. Well, we actually got a repeat set on Friday night, and I said to someone, that's one of the first ones I can remember we for, for a long time, because we seem to be, again, this comes down to coaching, why are we so bad? At repeat sets. Yeah, no, it's 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 a very good question, um, but we did get one. It was very nice to actually get one. Um, there were there were there were good things about the game. I thought Josh Papali's effort was mammoth. It was absolutely huge. Come backing up of State of Origin, I think he was the best player on the field. 
his his flick pass to Elliot Whitehead for the last try we scored, which put us just within reaching distance of the victory. Just you know, just to the point we thought, oh gee, we could actually get away with this. Um, you know, it was just simply for the fact he was too big and too strong. Um, so you know, that was very good. Um, I, I really thought a lot of players did really well to go out of position. Elliot Whitehead at centre was great. Um, unfortunately, he eventually had to go back in the centre. Josh Papali went out centre and Hingano went on the wing behind him. Which was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. You have a guy that's barely played you know, more than 10, 10 minutes a game and you, the smallest player on our side and you put him on the wing where he has absolutely no experience. I mean, there's so many different... I've went over with a bunch of people. So many other different combinations of reshuffles that you could have done where you could have put Croker to the wing. You could have had, you know, Austin at centre. You could have, I mean, if you're going to bring uh, Higano on, he either needed to be at hooker or halfback, or 5'8". And you need to shuffle other players around. I mean, you could have had CSOLLO in the centres. I mean, he would have done a better job out there. He used to be a centre. Just having him out there was just, it was just so predictable that they were going to go to him and score. And I'm surprised in the end they didn't go to him more times than they did. Mm. Yeah, look, I, like, I think... That bit where he sort of rushed in off his wing, anticipating a kick that never came, and they just passed the ball. Yeah, You know, well, for, for the huge overlap was just horrific. And then, you know, in the back end, when um, he dropped the ball twice, it just made things even worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's... Not too surprisingly, he hasn't been named anywhere in the 17. There are a number of reasons for that, but I really hope that he's uh, afforded the opportunity to go back to... Mounties and actually play half or hooker or yeah, wherever, wherever, wherever he's going to play because at the moment you've got to feel sorry for the bloke because his confidence must be just destroyed. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then talking about confidence destroyed, uh, poor old Jordan Rapana, uh, probably one of the best players we've had this season, always gives 100%, always, always a handful, never beaten, torn his hamstring, eight weeks. Uh, that's pretty miserable news. Michael Oldfield comes in this weekend for him. Who's a reliable finisher? They went the safe option. I mean, they could have gone the um, the flying Fijian. Yeah. Um, whose name I'm not very good at pronouncing. Yeah, the, the man whose defence isn't crash hot either, whereas Oldfield tackles. So, And I think that's what he's gone for in the end because this will be a grind fest against the West Tigers. Um, almost certainly a grind fest against the Tigers. And now we're bringing up the word grind. It is time for this week's What Grinds My Gears. You know what really grinds my gears? And do you know what grinds my gears this week, Blake? Do you know what grinds my gears? Uh, if it's not the refereeing performance by Henry Perinara, I'd be very surprised. Well, look, it is partially the, the, the refereeing performance by Henry Perinara. Now, look, I, I, I'm in, in the camp which really doesn't go in for ref's fault blaming. Um, I think, to a large extent, there are bad decisions that aren't covered. I think there are mechanisms within the game that should cover them. So there should be captain's challenge to say, sorry, mate, you've got that wrong. So howlers can be avoided. They've got it in the cricket system and it works beautifully. You know, an LBW was not given that was should have been and they can appeal it and they can get it overturned. Oh, yeah, that was there. No one hates the referee or thinks they're a complete loser for doing it. It's just a mechanism to it to overrule it. When Henry Perinara did not sin bin, Tyron Peachy, when Jordan Rapana took the quick tap, Tyron yeah, Peachy had could not, not even, believe that. He had not even got back he to didn't, the he, approaching defence. He didn't even not sin bin him. He said it was a knock-on. It was it a was, loose carry. Yeah, it was a loose carry. Uh, went to the other side. They got a penalty kick and uh, took two points for it. That was horrific. And, and it's a thing that When we... was the last time that you heard... I'm not sure if the chant was um, Henry's a wanker or the ref is a wanker. I don't know. Some people chanting one thing, other people chanting another thing, but that was fantastic. There was a small crowd on Friday night, but they really 
made their presence felt. Oh, yeah, no, they're, 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 sometimes the smallest crowds are the best because, because they're the ones just, that really mean it. Yeah, the true believers. And, and But um, I, I just couldn't see it. And I had all these people saying, oh, no, no, he was on site. It's like, he didn't even get back no, it was right to in, the approaching... I knew it was straight in front of you. Yeah. He didn't even get back to the approaching defensive line and he clearly touched him. And then James Maloney, who was also offside, touched him to bring the, the ball out. And he, he called it fine. And it's just like, well, we had Jared Croker basically ending the game for us against the Rabbits. Sinbin for touching in advance uh, Angus Crichton. Yeah, you and could then see he had that could, situation. It was outrageous. You could but, see when they were taking the penalty kick, Jared Croker was pointing back over there and saying, "What you know? Yeah. What was the story there? Why didn't we get a penalty there?" Yeah, oh, it, was, and, it was appalling. And then then being told to go away. Um, but this is the thing: when everyone was saying, "Oh, it's dreadful that Henry Perinara is going to be the ref. Oh, it's bad. He's against us." Because uh, I'm on Twitter and I follow a lot of people from across the different teams, I know a lot of the Panthers supporters, and they all thought Henry Perinara hates them too. Well, So, so I have actually <laughs> gone and had a bit of a dig statistically about this, and here's the thing about it. Our average win ratio in the last five years is 48%. 48%, okay? Guess what Henry Perinara's average ratio for us winning is when he referees us? I think it's 48%. It's 48%, Blake. Yeah. It's 48%. So here's the thing. He's actually not against us. And I also could find out he's not against the Panthers either. He's also for them. So both sets of supporters are wrong. So I'm actually very mad that we can dislike and be mad with Henry and have no statistical evidence to back it up. And it grinds my gears, Blake. It grinds my gears. But here's the other thing too. So we want to have a look. So which referees are good for the Raiders and which are the worst? So... All time, the very worst referee we've ever had, Tony Archer. We only won 31% of matches underneath his custodianship. Never liked him. But no. that probably, it also depends, coincides with, you know, our various fortunes at, at his era. So he was probably even below that. that. He's even below that. Yeah. He's, he's the outlier for that period. Yeah. Um, then we've also got uh, the all-time best, uh, young Graham West, 66.7%. Now, he mostly did stuff during the Raiders' heyday. Yeah. So that's probably explained here. So right now, who do you think is the best referee for the Raiders? Who do you think they get uh, the most wins out under? I actually don't know. I Because I, I can generally think most of the ones I think that we... Um do badly under come to mind. Oh, I thought Perinara we always lose under, but obviously the statistics have proved otherwise. No, no. Ben Cummins is another one I always no, cringe no. whenever he, we he's, see. He's above average. We win above our average when Ben Cummins is our referee. That's no, that's surprising. The, I don't know who it is. Grant Atkins, 66.7% of the matches underneath Grant Atkins. Young Grant. Young Grant. And here's the interesting thing. Whenever he referees us, I always think we get the rough end of the pineapple. So how there does that make sense? Um, and, but here we go. Who is the worst current referee for the Raiders? The very worst. Uh, I think you told me. I've forgotten. Yeah, it's Chris Butler. Oh, Chris Butler. Oh, you don't like him, do you? Oh, no, he's a great mate of mine. We go back a long, long way. Um, yeah, no, he's a fantastic guy. And uh, Is he is he still a, a number one ref or is he more the secondary? At present, they're actually shuffling them all around. There. Right. So there's a couple that only do number one refs. But Jared Sutton is pretty much the only one who's stuck in number one ref. Because um, Chechen was, was demoted, wasn't he, last week? Yeah, but no, the week before. But he's yeah. back up to, to first ref now. Um, I don't know what they're doing in there. They're, they're basically trying to mix it around. But, have they um, named the refs for this weekend coming up? They have. And has where's Henry Perinara? Has he got a gig? Uh, he has a gig. He has a leading ref. And Be, because at halftime, I thought 
this is terrible. He's done such a bad job yeah, refing yeah. us. But he just was equally incompetent in the second half. Yeah, yeah, too. And, and to the Panthers' detriment. That's so, again, right. you can't even really say that he was... Look, but here's the thing about it was that, yes, he was equally incompetent, but the thing the Panthers really got upset about was the Blake Austin strip on Tyrone Peachy that led to the Jordan Rapana trial. When they showed the replay, I thought that was not going to be awarded. No, no, when they showed the replay, because they'd awarded it, what they seen is, yes, Blake had attacked the ball, but by the time the ball had come free, he'd well and truly stopped attacking the ball. He wasn't on it anymore. Peachy had just dropped the ball. And actually was the right call. But who knew? Because everyone thought because it was Perinari, he'd made the wrong thing. But that doesn't grind my gears. What grinds my gears, Blake? What grinds my gears is that if I'm going to dislike someone who had a really, really rotten performance in my eyes, I really want it statistically to be provable. And it just isn't. And it grinds my gears. So our next segment coming through is we actually sent out a a request to all our hard listeners uh, saying, uh, who was your favourite, your favourite Raiders player who was underrated in history. Who was your favourite underrated Raiders player? And Blake, you got some thoughts on this. Personally, um, well, when you think of underrated players, they tend to be forwards mm. because their work tends to go unnoticed. If you're a, a winger that um, scores a lot of tries, you're mm. going to be noticed. Whereas if you're a winger that's like, you know... Yeah, it doesn't score any. Or you're Brett yes. Kelly. Yeah, Brett Kelly. <laughs> or, or Albert Fulavai. <laughs> That's just a low blow, Blake. That's a low blow. You know, you know I love Albert Fulavai. So I was thinking of some players that, that I sort of fondly recall and for, for, you know, strange reasons. And Ben Cross just slept out of me. Yeah, yeah. The man ben Cross with a strange be- nose. Because he was just big. He was. He was angry. He was. And... He could make things happen, he usually, really which usually involved him getting suspended or sent yeah, to Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it wasn't; it was pro- never boring, and especially that. in that era when you go into a game against the Roosters, say two thousand and three, two thousand and four, and they had that team with you know, yeah, yeah. Minicello, Fitler, and all the rest. John Monaghan, yeah, and uh, well, he wasn't so great there, but um, yeah, he was. They, they he did his knee, and then basically came back to the Raiders. But you go into those games and knowing that we just. Absolutely stood no chance whatsoever. And we were going to lose in a big way. But you, when Ben Cross was on the field, you thought, well, there's always a chance that he'll just try and take someone's head off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would. And he would. <laughs> and, and, he he would. and the other great thing he did was the time that um, Terry Hill was bagging out the Raiders and he came out in the press beforehand and said that he was going to sort him out. And he did. Yeah, yeah. And I did. enjoyed it. So, yeah, it was good. so that's, that's why I finally recall him. And I guess, I mean, a few of those would be Dean Lance, of course, again, a forward who, you know, Played quite a lot of games, and I guess he wasn't truly underrated no. in the true sense, but maybe he's a little bit forgotten from that era. And I think his performance in the um, 89 grand final, where he had been subs- previously dropped and managed to get back in the team in time for the grand final, he was actually the captain and got dropped, and mm. they appointed Mal captain. Um, and you remember the moment when uh, Bradley Clyde gets his Clive Church. Yeah, and he says, thanks to the captain, Dean Thanks, Lance. you're a great captain. <laughs> like, nice one, Brad. Well done. Good job. But anyway, <laughs> Give um, that man a microphone more often. His, uh, his, his pulled off in the first half, the Tigers were pretty much running right in the 89 grand final, and he pulled off an absolutely massive tackle. He mm. completely smashed Steve Roach, and I think it was one of those real turning points where, you know, a one big tackle can lift the whole side, and, mm. and that's why I think I fondly recall him. And to some degree, I think he was underrated, but not you know, yeah, truly. Right. Well, if I had to choose, and I know you've already made fun of him, but Albert Fulavai, uh, fourteen tries he scored for the Canberra Raiders in their last premiership season. Fourteen tries. He was exceptionally good in the air. Great wingman. If you're going to kick the ball in the air, he was great at contesting. Had a big four, enough body. 
14 more tries than I'll ever score, so you know, who am I to... Yeah, keep making fun of him. He played for the Canberra Raiders in their premiership season. I'm not making fun of him. He was in their game day 17. I didn't get on the field that day, but he was he was absolutely there. He was a great player, and he did a really, really good job for us. Uh, big body, great finisher, very, very underrated, I always thought. But we've had some great stuff coming in. Uh, Christopher York came in with Sean Hoppy, the mulleted Sean Hoppy. That's that said. Uh, I think he was highly rated. I think he basically did his, his Raiders legacy when he decided to go back to the Warriors, and we yeah, basically he, kicked him out. Yeah, well, we got. He, I think he got good money to go back to New Zealand. And, he did. And also... I, as um, I was thinking, you know, if you've played representative football, as Sean Hoppy played for the Kiwis, uh, you, you can't really be qualified as underrated. No, yeah, maybe. Okay, well, then we go to Bushy, and he's gone with Sean Fenson. He's, he's chosen three, Sean Fenson, Mark McClendon, and Leslie Vanicolo. Now, Leslie also played for New Zealand. Yeah. I don't think there was anything unrelated, uh, no. underrated about the Volcano. But no, and awesome he played for player. England as well in Rugby Union. Oh, did he really? Yeah, quite yeah. recently. Yeah, very, very good player. Really recently. I think yeah. he retired a, a few years. Well, a few years, probably about five years ago. Yeah, yeah Mark McClendon. Um, I, I think in general rugby league terms he was uh, underrated, but I think um, he was certainly a star for us at one stage. Um, and Sean Fensom, I think he's, a, he's an unlucky man in the sense that... Um, he was always really good, but not quite there. And you know, he's playing out his days at the at the Cowboys now. Yeah, but you know, if if the the mooted um, six interchanges were to come in, he's someone whose value I think would go up again. Oh, yeah. In the same way that you know, I've I've been critical um, earlier in the year of Luke Bateman. Yeah, but I've come around to him. Like he's on, always trying. On well, he did a lot better job on Friday night than Liam Knight or buddy um oh, Charlie Gupp. Poor old Liam when he dropped that ball. Oh my god, that I, was uh, that uh, was horrific. And there I was don't no think excuse. There was a hole big enough for him to jump. There was no it. excuse. There was nothing wrong with that pass. Yeah, I know. Oh look, but do you think anyone's hurting worse than Liam is? No, no, no one's hurt. You, no one needs to tell him. That. You know, there was a point in the game on Friday night when um, so Bateman went on early because of the Leilua injury and stayed on. And then the, 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 you could see the two uh, benches jogging up and down, warming up on our sideline. And I looked at at, um, at our bench and it was Liam Knight, Charlie Gupp and Ada Hingano. And I just went, is this the worst Canberra Raiders bench I've seen in a long time? Oh, no. No, 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 no. That's, that... it's the, is this the worst bench I've seen in many, many years? I think it was. And then I looked across at the Panthers bench and there was James Tamo... Um, that guy Kick Kickow, what's his name? Vilma Kickow. Yeah. Kickow, and I don't know who else, but I looked at those two Kate absolute Evans. behemoths. Yeah, and I thought this is this is a, a definite mismatch in that regard. Yes, absolutely a definite mismatch in that regard. But it was pretty sad. Anyway, other underrated players: Tony Mithen says Dean Lance again. Uh, then we get Will, Will Sinclair. Now Will Sinclair, I'm going to forgive here because he's a West Tigers fan, but he says Jason Croker. Now. I don't, I, I, I don't think he can possibly be underrated. He couldn't, he couldn't have done much more. He played over 300 games for the Raiders. Yeah. He played for New South Wales and Australia. Yeah. And I don't think there's only one position uh, that Blake and I can figure out that he didn't play for the Canberra Raiders, um, and that's halfback. Yes. I believe we saw him play every other position. Um, came in, obviously, uh, as a winger, moved into the centres, um, then went into the back row, then went to lock. 5'8". Then, then played 5'8", played uh, prop, played hooker. I mean, he had number six on his back. Whether or not he was actually playing 5'8". Yeah, yeah, but he had number six yeah. on his back. I, I saw it. He, he played every position I can think of except for halfback, and he may have actually fed a scrum once or twice. <laughs> so I will thank you for your input. I don't think he's underrated. Jeff Foley says Matthew Wood. 
Ivan Henjak and Brett Hetherington. Um, an interesting mixture there, both Henjak and, and Wood from the same year, and Hetherington again. Interesting story about Hetherington. After I busted my knee in 96 playing hacky sack, um, we both went to the same doctor, and he found out his knee was broken in the appointment just before mine, so we were both sitting in that waiting room not being very happy at all together. Um, so uh, Tony McKillop says Troy Thompson. Great player, great bloke, great, great, um, great club man. Really, yeah. I think um, held the team together. You know, when he was when he was at the club, he was one of the real leaders. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very popular with Alan Tung too. Is still very good friends with him. Ben Jones of uh, the Raiders Army comes and says Steve Stone and David Boyle. Now he wants to remind us of with David Boyle of the fantastic tackle that David Boyle made when Jason Williams, the Canterbury back. That one time, uh, went down the field, was going to score unopposed and was showboating, and Boyle ran from nowhere and held him up, and it wasn't a try, and it turned the game. Do you remember that? No, not really, no. Uh, oh, it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He was, David Boyle was really sort of in the, in the Jason Croker mould. Mm. Oh, he was a just, bogan. Just, yeah, just, just a boy from out from the bush. And just super, super tough. Yeah, he was. He was. But he was actually showed for a man with a bit of pork on him. You know, he didn't have the tightest of rigs. Um, he was pretty quick. Yeah. And he did very, very well. Uh, Steve Stone, of course, hasn't been so successful as a coach, but he used to deputise a lot for Ricky Stewart when the players were out in Origin. Wasn't he, he, was he a player well. manager at some stage, Steve Stone? I he even know. looked a bit like Ricky Stewart when he came on. It was a bit like, you know, that sort of when... Um, when uh, Peter Sterling had Paul Taylor as his sort of his yeah, little, yeah, yeah. little, little lookalike. Right. Yeah. Uh, Tim, Blood in. Tim Wilson says, oh, David Howell, underrated Raider. I think he, I think he was underrated. And, uh, no, oh, I, there, David Howell gets a bad rap. I think he was correctly rated. <laughs> he gets a bad rap. <laughs> I think he's correctly but I, rated. I think he was good. I uh, think he was good. I liked him. Green-eyed from the greenhouse. And please, people, get on the greenhouse. Have a good argument with the other people out there. Get yourself a pseudonym. Get into it. It's, it's the number one Raider supporter side out there support it uh, he says Matt Gaffer and Adam Mogg Adam Mogg I, was one that came to mind as well but then I slightly um, disqualified himself disqualified um, him uh, on the basis that he did play for Queensland but he was he was a great player a great centre uh, for the Raiders and um, he made a comeback which was Probably best forgotten about. He came back. Remember a few years ago. I then, remember it very, very yes, clearly. Who played about him coming back, and it and really he, didn't work out. No, he played number seven. Mm. I think it was that was at the stage where, where David Ferner, not Don Ferner, Don't had uh, as pretty much hit desperation point. I think that was the Matt Orford just terrifying season. Was yeah, it? Yeah, oh, probably. My goodness gracious I me! Mean, oh, look, I think the Saliba Havili drop goal isn't as bad as the error at uh, the scrum base from Matt Orford. Discuss. No, no. I, I'd prefer to see the Saliba Havili drop well, hope, goal. Hopefully, no, hopefully no one went and keyed um, Saliba Havili's Audi. No, as happened to Matt. You know, Matt Alford he yeah, arrived yeah, yeah. with it. He had the big signing in the airport and the sponsors Audi. And obviously, someone after the game realised that that uh, that was Matt Alford's Audi, and they decided to attack it with their keys, which oh. we certainly don't condone. They, they did the thing when he went to hospital last year, and and some one of the articles ran former Raider Matt Orford. I, I just put in the comments board, do, 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 do. No one, no one wants to remember him as anything but a seagull or a storm player. For God's sake, let the man have, you know. Yeah. He's sick. Let it. Let him go. Um, no one wants to remember that. Uh, Adman uh, says Dean Lance again, and he also nominates Brett Hetherington. Um, and so that, that, that's a fair, fair lot of good players there, underrated yeah. players. 
Mainly forwards, like I was saying. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a few in there. We've got the Matt Gaffer, Adam Mogg, David Howell. Yeah, true. David Boyle. There's actually a fair few stuff, but I, I agree with you in general, in general. But uh, Leslie Vanicola, not underrated. No. Great player. No. Okay, so the next segment we come up to is Stump the Pork. So Stump the Pork is our regular segment where I try and come up with a sort of a Raiders-related um, question to try and stump Tim with, a.k.a. the Pork. And uh, this week's question involves um, players in around sort of 1986, when before they were full-time professionals, and uh, they'd spend their time either on the training field or wandering around Belcon and Mall. Mm. Back in these days, they'd actually work legitimate jobs. Mm. And so you just... In day-to-day life, you might encounter them just performing a, a routine job amongst the people. Yes. And in 1986, I was at Campbell High School and uh, someone from Wormold Security came in to service the smoke alarms in the classroom. And, and me and my friends were very excited because there was a very, very big name Canberra Raiders player was servicing the smoke alarms at Campbell High School. Can you guess who that player was? John Chica Ferguson. Correct. John Chicka Ferguson. <laughs> I know it's John Chicka Ferguson because he stayed with Wormall for quite a number of years and actually was security guard at Parliament House while they had the contract there. So oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So I knew he was working around that area as well. He wasn't just on the working gear ad, which I think we can all remember being an absolutely brilliant piece of work. <laughs> because if for no other reason, if for no other reason, the working gear ad showed the great Chicka Ferguson try in the 89 grand final. Now, as much as I enjoyed being next to Steve Jackson the other day, who scored the final try in the 89 grand final, I think for my... That was icing on the cake. It Steve was icing Jackson. on the cake. Uh, if Meninga had kicked the conversion, which he did not. Um, but there's no question in my mind, the moment that match was won was when Chicka went over that line. That was the well, moment Balmain's hearts and back were broken. The moment that Chicka scored that try, I just thought, oh my God, now Mal has to kick the goal. And he was no Jared Coker in the kicking stakes. Yeah. He was a real toe basher. And I don't know what his, his percentage was like, but if it was more than about 60%, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would be surprised. Oh yeah, no, I remember many, many times thinking to myself, oh my God. My, one of my favourite moments of Mal actually was in 1990. We were playing the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs and it was, we had played like, it might have been 91 actually, we'd played like absolute dogs that day ourselves. The only player I think had really done well was um, uh, Steve Walters. But then with 10 minutes to go, the Raiders decided to start playing and right in, literally in the last seconds of play, Brad Clyde, scored in the top uh, in the extreme corner of the northern end of the yeah, northeastern side I guess it was um, right in the corner and the wind was blowing around Bruce Stadium as it was then known it was swirling around and there was Mal literally with a ball on the mound of dirt back in those days yeah the sand bucket with, with the thing going all around and that crowd was hushed and it was even scores it was even scores and he had to kick it to win the match otherwise it was a draw and I have never seen a ball go straighter over a black dot. I remember that one. I remember that one. And the whole ground absolutely erupted. Yeah, I remember that one. And it was like the one time he actually did kick one from the sideline. It was line. an amazing kick. And you just thought this could go <laughs> anywhere. It was like Jeff Thompson. It could go absolutely anywhere. Uh, but yes, no, it was John Ferguson, Wormall Security. That, that's a very good one. I like it. But our next segment we get to is Reasons to be Cheerful. Reasons to be Cheerful, part three. One, two, 
And this week there is the best reason to be cheerful we have had all season. People, if you haven't heard already, the one, the only Josh Hodgson is returning this week against the West Tigers at number nine. He is back. Saliva Havili is to the bench. <coughs> and Adahinganu is banished to parts unknown, presumably Mounties, but... Let, let's not be nasty to Ado. He, <laughs> he had a go. But Josh Hodgson is back, and that is a great reason to be cheerful. And if it wasn't enough that Josh Hodgson, the nicest man in our side, uh, just a, a gentleman, um, just a wonderful guy, and a superb player is back, um, it is a wonderful thing. Jay Tarpanay is also back. Putting yes. those two in, we're, it's going to be a grind against the West Tigers. It's going to be a total grind against the West Tigers. But with those two back in the side, it's a grind you feel we can win. So that, if I've ever heard one before, is a reason to be cheerful. The only concern I'm hearing is, you know, maybe that we're bringing him back in a bit too early. Would it have been wise to wait? Because after this week, we've got the bye again. Yeah, I don't. And think... then, and then there's the Broncos game. Then, and you could have, if he if hadn't played this week, you'd give him another two weeks. I mean, obviously, he must be in theory right to go. Look, and this is this is what it comes down to. Um, we knew he was going to be rested against the West Tigers. That was I was talking to Josh before the the match against Panthers, and I said you'll probably be rested against the Tigers if we win tonight, and he said yes. Um, and so that was the way it was going. But as soon as they lost against the Panthers. Uh, here, here is the here is the equation. We're on twelve points. We need twenty eight to get through. So we need sixteen points. Out on the table in our remaining matches are twenty two points. Out there, eleven matches. We need to win eight of those eleven matches. Seven are away, four are at home. So here's the run: West Tigers away, the Broncos away, but after Origin, the Bulldogs away. All those three are winnable. Then we have the Cowboys at home, again, straight after Origin. Again, winnable, so that's four. The Sharks at uh, away. Very uh, tough. Yeah, very tough, but actually a place where, just like they come and beat the crap out of us, we go there and beat the crap out of them, so sometimes, that's possible. Sometimes, The Storm away with, and they're not the Storm that they were without without Kronk. They're just not. Um, then we've got the Panthers away. Yes, that will be very, very tricky, but if we're going to actually have a go, we've got to win that match. Then we take the West Tigers at home. The Roosters at home, the Rabbits at home, before we finish with the Warriors away. We can afford to drop. We can afford to drop three of those matches and only three. And they knew he had to come back this weekend in order to do it. Interestingly enough, if we win nine out of those 11, which I actually think we will. You heard it here first. I think we'll win nine of those 11. <laughs> We're not going to win nine out of the 11. Yeah, yeah. This, seven of those games are against teams that are currently in the top eight. Do you know how many teams we've beaten and they're in the top eight so far this season? None. We've only beaten... If you just... stop the clock at the 70th minute, we've beaten most of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, 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 I believe with, with St. Josh back... St. Joseph all back, I believe. We're going to win 9 out of 11. We're going to storm into the finals and we're going to lift the damn premiership trophy. I think that if we're going to do anything, we have to beat West Tigers this week. Oh, yeah. And, and we have to beat the Broncos the week after because those yeah. are the two teams above us in the eight. And if we lose to both those, it's pretty much all over. Yeah, yeah. If we, yeah, we, we, have, we can afford to lose at most three more matches and it can't be this weekend. So they have to do that. But I believe... Um, you know, there's no Benji for the West Tigers this weekend, but Josh Reynolds is there and he loves playing against the Raiders. But other things that we love, just to, to close out, is our friend Dennis Carnahan, a great fan of the show, great fan of the Greenhouse. Um, and uh, he's got Rugby League the Musical, um, and it will be in Canberra at the Street Theatre on 29th of July. 
you really, really need to get along to see this. He is stinking hilarious. He makes rugby league uh, witty. He's the intelligent face of rugby league as well as the comical side of it. He's going to be bringing his full show to the street theatre. Go to his website, rugbyleaguethemusical.com.au. You can buy your tickets on there for the street theatre. Get in soon because this one will sell out because the one great thing about the Canberra crowd is their real crossover. They love their music. They love their footy. And this one I'm going to be there. Like, I'm oh, going to be there, Tim. Oh, yeah, I know you are going to be there. <laughs> are you going to be there? <laughs> uh, actually, as it happens, I'm going to be in Queensland. <laughs> and, and strangely enough, that's an interesting segue into the song that we're going to play for you tonight, Dennis's reworking of his most famous yeah. song ever, That's in Queensland. So thanks once more for joining uh, Blake and the Pork for the Raiders Review. I am the Pork. I'm Blake. And this is Dennis Carnahan with That's in Queensland. Could somebody please help me? I am still a bit confused. The definition of origin has been somewhat misconstrued. With Smith, JT and Cooper gone, Queensland can start again. So let's locate some of the origins of this year's Queensland team. Where is Greystains? That's in Queensland. Where is Auckland? That's in Queensland. Where is Nolan Boy? That's in Queensland. Queensland's everywhere. Queenslanders say they play with more state passion and state pride. They sure play with their state borders. They think Queensland's a state of mind. With Cam Smith gone, they need a Queensland leader for their team. So let's see in which state the hometowns of their leadership has been. Where is Sydney? That's it, Queensland. Where is Dan McCurk? That's it, Queensland. And where is Val Raville? That's it, Queensland. Queensland's everywhere. Keep it going, where is Maxville? That's it, Queensland. 